listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. How do you know when a design is done? When it says final, final, dash V2, dash final. No, really, this one's final. I thought it was when your product manager says, this looks done. I think it's when the engineer says, it's done already. I can do this. I can build it. What's the CEO's role? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I hate this question. Why? It comes up a lot. We've already come up with such phenomenal answers. Has has, uh, someone you've been mentoring or in school or, or anyone that you've worked with been like, hey, how do I know like when a design is done? Has that ever come up to you organically? Probably. You don't remember? I don't remember anything. That's fair. <laughs> it's true. This uh, this question I feel like comes up a lot. I know in my career at least, many, many aspiring designers or new designers will often ask me the same question. How do you know when your design is done? And I, it, it's a valid question, but it just drives me nuts. Why? Here's why. I'm going to open my phone right now to the dictionary definition of design. Okay. It says, a plan produced to show the look and function or workings of something before it's built or made. So design isn't the finished product. Design is a plan. That's right. Design is the process of creating a plan to show how something will look and function. And so when we say, when is a design done? It's not done ever, (laughs) or it's always done. No. So yeah, this is a a multi-layered question for sure. I think there's a lot of different ways we can answer it. The first answer that we'll throw out that abandons the dictionary definition, but I think is true, is design's never done. There's always something to improve. There's always something to be done. You can always incrementally fix and improve and expand something that's been designed. So design is never done. Yeah, and it's... it's, um we used to have, and I'm sure this is everywhere, but I remember from the inspirational propaganda posters at Facebook that were like, done is better than perfect. And that expressed the sentiment that you could you could tweak something forever, but it was better to um, get it out. And a, a principle we had at Intercom was ship to learn, I think, or something around. Everything's blurring in my mind. Um, but, you know, that shipping is the beginning, you know, shipping is when you actually start to learn and then you often have to go back and iterate or refine or take that learning and do something completely different. And so that puts design in that part of the process where it's just the very, very beginning of a long, long journey. And I think the done is better than perfect comes from designers, you know, not to stereotype and say designers are perfectionist, but there's a desire for ownership or a desire for completion or a des- desire for, I guess, per- perfection is the best word, um, to try and drive that to the best place it can be before it gets shipped. Yeah. I like a lot of what you just said. First, something I've actually never heard before, but shipping is really the first step in the process of creating a product. I love that. That's so true. How do you think that makes designers feel? Right. So that goes into the other part that you were just leaning into around designers. We feel such a strong attachment to the work. You'll, you'll hear this come up time and time again, where design is often equated with like your, your child. It's, it's your work. It's your precious, precious. Oh gosh. I mean, in our, in 
in uh, grad school, we talk about art school. Obviously we talk about, you know, these are our babies and, and, you know, it's hard to take feedback on your baby and it was hard to like, uh, you know, do the refinement that you needed to get your baby to a place where you could print it. Um, graphic design, obviously. And we had this instructor who would talk about killing your babies. And like, obviously as a non-metaphor, that's a terrible thing. But when you think of it as a metaphor, like you have to, something that you love and you've crafted and you've honed in and you really find delight and joy in to be able to like scrap that and let it go and say, nope, that didn't work. It's dead to me. And then move on to the next thing or the next iteration or whatever that is. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I was just thinking about uh, this idea of kill your darlings, which comes up a yeah, lot, yeah. primarily same in the world of writing. Yeah. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Except for, well, it means something slightly different. Uh, and maybe you mean it the same way. I don't know. But kill your darlings essentially means you're working on a larger piece of something and you have to deliberately decide to kill or remove part of that something for the greater whole, right? Like an editing thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like for designers, what that usually looks like, I think, is you have a design, maybe you're part of it you're really excited about, it's really innovative, you're trying something different and you or someone else on the team is like, that's great, we don't have time to do that right now or we don't have... The, the resources to flush this out further. So we're going to kill this part of the work, but we're going to take this other part of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of a role that designers need to take proactively is killing your darlings. Like mm-hmm. what is the essential part of this design that needs to go forward? I actually think, I think we've got a bunch of stuff going on here. One is, you know, the perfectionist piece. There's a done is better than perfect. There's an editing piece. How much can you take out to still make it work? And that's probably something we haven't actually been explicit about is like, you could be done when it solves the problem. How do you know when it solves the problem? Um, Well, it, you know, delivers X task or it, you know, um, completes a checklist of all 10 heuristics that you have or whatever that is. But whatever measurements you have in place, does something get completed? Yes. Yes, that is it. That is it for me. That is why I think this question is often, again, very valid, especially for new designers, but also a little bit silly. Because again, by the definition of design, you have a plan. It's a strategy. You have some idea of what the end point will be. That doesn't mean it's the end point forever, that you're not going to iterate or edit or do something different, but you have some idea of what the objectives and the outcomes are of your work, of your effort. So what does this look like in practice? Usually you have some starting spark. This will come from the business. They have an objective they need to hit. It'll come from customers. They have a problem with the product. And from there, you'll start doing research. You'll synthesize that research. You'll have some ideas for what it could look like. But you ultimately end up at a place where you have some idea of what needs to be designed and ideally built. So business need, user need, or opportunity, gap, whatever that is, plan. And once you have that plan, you work towards some design that can solve that issue or provide a solution Aren't we towards saying that design problem. is the plan yes but design is also the act of of designing right of yeah. creating that that actual plan that concept something visual that can usually visual that you can share and once you have something that achieves that objective that fulfills that business need or cons- customer need or fills that gap you're done kind of right well, and, and the question, if we back up a little bit, goes, how are you confident that it will fill that need in that gap? And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up on is, you know, it's either there's a perfection piece that wants to keep you driving, but then there can also be an unsurety or um, lack of confidence that 
says, well, I don't know if this is going to solve it. Maybe I should go back and do six different iterations Mm -hmm. or perhaps an overconfidence that this is going to solve it. This is going to nail it. Like I know I've gone into, um, uh, in with solutions before that I'm like, this is going to do it. And then you look at it and the metrics don't move at all. And you're like, dang it, like, should I have done more? And so how that's, that's like, you can think you're done before you're done, or you can think you're not done when you actually are done. I feel like one of those is more dangerous than the other. Which one? Can you guess? Uh, thinking you're done before you're actually done. No, thinking other way. Tell me. I forgot what the two options were. Uh, wanting to go further to be more confident or being overconfident. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh man, I'm so excited to dive into this, but I, I think that it's really dangerous to try to invest more in something than less. And the reason for that, so you'd, you'd prefer overconfidence in some degree. I, I think there is a, a line there that we're going to talk about here in a second around like trying to drive innovation and creativity and getting things like you said, perfect. But the reason that I think it's more detrimental or damaging to not invest or to try to over invest in perfection or pursuit of different ideas, adding a little too much rigor to your process is exactly what we said a minute ago. Shipping is the starting point. And if you don't have something to ship, if you don't have something to put out in front of customers and get data and see how it's used in the real world and real contexts, you are just guessing there are things you can do to conduct like research and to look at best practices and things. And you should be doing the, all of those things as part of your regular your process. But at some point you need to ship something to evaluate whether or not what you're doing is the right thing. Yeah. And I think we might be doing a oversimplification here because like if we think of, you know, your traditional double diamond, the first part of the diamond where you um, diverge and converge is really figuring out what the problem is. And in the second part of the double diamond, Um, you're diverging and converging on the solution. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather have somebody have pretty decent confidence in the problem and spend more time up front making sure they're really crisp on the problem than the solution. Because if you have the wrong problem, you won't be solving the right problem with any solutions. If you have the right problem and the right I'm using is sort of like just a clear articulate problem um, and confidence in that problem. And that usually means um, having more inputs to understanding the problem than just research, research, data, um, opportunity gaps, things like that. And then coming in and doing sort of quick work towards solutions. I'd much prefer that than the other way around. I agree. I think, I think we're ultimately saying the same thing and you're absolutely right. We're kind of oversimplifying. I think we actually tend to do that on this podcast because we've only got 40 minutes or so. And we do this off the cuff and we don't really think (laughs) too much or prepare in advance. But I think the, the question is like, if we look at complete design work done or what, if we look at, you know, when is the problem defined? When is the, you know, when is the final product done? When is the solution done? And so maybe we can simplify at least to say, you know, Hey, let's just, assume we have a crisp problem and a crisp opportunity or whatever that thing might be. I think if we're talking about sort of more like practical design phases, like interaction and visual design, then it, yeah, then I would agree. Yeah. It's, it's, um, maybe better to have something that feels more rough or more less confident to be able to test and learn before you spend your time, like designing the whole system or, you know, spending four weeks on visual polish. I agree. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Everything you said. Uh, I do think of it as layered, right? Like 
when we talk about when is design done, well, you need to break it down by each of the, the definitive steps and even in some cases, the owners of each of those steps. Sometimes you'll have a product manager working on the scope of the problem and that will be their responsibility and that step of the design process is done when they you know, do their job essentially. And then engineering is another part of the design process. The design is done when it's actually mm-hmm. in customers' hands. So like there are absolutely these different layered aspects to what we say, like when is a product designer's job done or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to kind but of... We didn't say job done. We said when is the design done? Well, what's the difference? Well, that's just another layer. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when, when we initially talked about this, it was like, when do you ship something? That's what, that's how I took it as, because your, your job as a designer is never done, especially when you're solving like big world project projects, like, or problems, projects, products, problems, problems, like, you know, business software. Oh yes. Well, so yes, you're absolutely right. And I, I want to, still focus on this this concept of layering because I think you said a few things there that are really, really important though. So going back to the very first start of things, how do you know that the problem you're solving is the right problem to be solved? Okay. You can say a design is done by like whipping together some mocks or a prototype or something, but if it's not for the right problem, is it done? I'd say no. I mean... I'm trying <laughs> to think through like nuances. Yes, but if it fails, I mean, it can be done and be a failure. That's right. Well, how do you define failure then, right? Now we're saying, in my mind... Yeah, same thing. It doesn't meet the user's needs or solve the problem at hand. Yes, but is it helping you and your team progress towards the larger plan? AKA, if you design something and it fails or, you know, you put it in front of customers and they say, this is... Yes, I mean, that's that's a success if it fails because we need to embrace failure and learn from that. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I think there's probably a really simple answer here that just says... You know, when you when you get together with your team or your leaders or whatever that is, and you say we're going after this, and you get your project brief or your product requirements doc, and you say, when are we done? How will we know this is done? And not every you know PRD or project brief has this, but that's like that should be a mandatory criteria <laughs> that says let's actually all like product owners, engineering owners, design owners. Let's actually define up front, what does this mean to be done? And done would be, it's not just success. Like success is like, hey, did I, our hypothesis hit the nail on the head? Done is, when are we going to stop working on this? Yeah. At GEM, we don't deliberately say that in the, that language, but we always, for almost every single thing we do, big or small, we define the MVP, right? The minimum viable product for everything we do. And that essentially for us is the stopping point. And so how do we come up with that? Well, the first thing, which I want to double back on that you mentioned a second ago, is we we invest a lot of research and time and energy identifying the problem. I think I've said this before on the podcast. I've written about this a lot. I will say it a thousand more times because I love it. A problem well stated is a problem half solved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just investing that much energy in the problem definition, understanding the problem, why is it a problem, who does it affect, all that stuff. Uh, we invest all of that in there. And once we do that and we have a strong understanding of the problem, it becomes very clear what we need to do to solve that problem, right? In some yeah. way or another. And so if we can solve that problem in the most minimal way possible, meaning the design's not going to be perfectly polished, we may or may not use existing components in our system. We are not going to accommodate all the different use cases, but we have some core concept of the problem and who it impacts. As long as we can solve that, 
that is an MVP. That is it. That's what we're marching towards. Now, there's always, always more that comes up from the process. Oh, well, this also impacts mm-hmm. this other part of the product. It also impacts these other customers. Here are three other ideas we want to explore. We'll get to those, but we're focused on the MVP. I think you've brought up something interesting without knowing it maybe, but I think you actually have a cultural definition of done because Gem is a startup and you know, you were the first design and designer and design leader there and you've now built a team. And so what does design mean at a startup might be very different than what design looks like at, you know, into it or something like that. Um, and so you, I think, I don't know if you've intentionally done this or not, but you know, saying MVP is our definition of done is actually really, really helpful. I imagine for you to define when things are done and let go of some of either the perfectionism or the desire to iterate or the need to have like full confidence. And I, I suspect there's cultural definitions of done at many different styles and types of companies that we, we probably don't even acknowledge. That's a really excellent call. I think you're absolutely right. Done will mean many different things depending on where you are, what your company values, what your principles are, how you work, how large your company is. Absolutely. I think the core thing to, to underline here, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, it's a plan. It's a plan of attack. And you need to know that, well, what, how do we know when the plan is done? Like, what is our plan building towards? Are we building a home? Are we building an apartment? Mm-hmm. Are we building a bus? Have some idea of what that thing is. That's the, the core part of design, right? Yeah, and I think, I mean, if, you're, if your cultural plan... I feel like I'm doubling down on something I'm not <laughs> confident in, but it's interesting. Yeah. If you'll, if your cultural plan says, Hey, we're, you know, we're not building mansions. We're building, um, I don't know, like, uh, box homes just because we believe that we need to find our product market fit. We need to w- learn and we need to iterate your, your plan would be built in a very, very certain way. And I think, if you were to be building, I don't know, suburban homes, I'm totally going with the home metaphor. Like there, there may be some of the, like, you might be sort of saying, you know, there's, there's, we're still using a lot of reusable components. Maybe those are your design systems or something like that. But what we're doing is we're building bigger and we're building with more polish. Um, so I wonder if actually like, I remember thinking, or uh, going to a conference and, um, spider girl on on Twitter, I believe that's who it was, was, uh, talking about like having contracts, like, uh, sort of social and safety contracts with your team. But I, I, like, this just made me think of contracts. Like, do you have a contract as a design team that actually defines what your plans are? Like, what are you building towards? Um, cause I, I'm not in that place. Like I, I can't, I'm not close enough to Dropbox's execution to speak to that. But in the past couple of companies I've worked at, we're definitely not in the MVP, like sort of product market fit anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a different, there's a different contract and it's sort of known. Like, I think when you think about things like design process, it gets really interesting and design plans. They're sort of known, like I've asked at a couple of places like, Hey, what is your design process? And you know, you get sort of the hand wavy, Oh, it's a normal double diamond f- thing. Like everybody kind of knows what to do and they do their own thing. But I think if you dug further and looked at themes across different designers, you'd find things like we always start with a problem. Um, we do concepting about this time. 
uh, we do X amount of iterations. We get this kind of feedback and then we launch when we're confident of X, Y, and Z. And I think that those plans at a, at a single company would probably map very closely, even if there's no explicit design process. Um, but I think they're different from company to company. And I think that definition of done is part of that process. I agree. I, I So a few things. First is that it's still a plan, right? Like you still have to have some idea of what like you're all, I keep saying marching toward, I say that all the time, but what you're all working toward, what is the actual end point for any of the work you're doing at any stage, right? And once you have some idea of that, then it's much easier to say, well, the design is going to be done because we all agreed that, in, at least in my case, pixel polish doesn't necessarily matter yet. We just need to get something done and evaluate whether or not it works to solve the problem. Yeah. In another company, you may have, you may be a much further along company, you're further evolved. And that pixel polish, that is your end goal because that's like a core value. You value your representation of the product in the space. Yeah. And some companies might like, um, even culturally be like done is when your leaders say it's done and you might need to go through a final review and get and either. This could be culturally or by project, depending on how involved your leadership is, but there might be something like, you know, Hey, we have to have all, all the animations polished or, um, we need to, uh, thinking of CZI, like we need to go through with our, you know, uh, non-tech partners and make sure that this is actually solving the industry problem behind it. And so done might be something that's actually defined by, by plan, but by stage in the plan too. What I like about this, I think you've already more or less said this. I'm probably just repeating it. Taking credit for it. I'm not taking credit. I'm just kidding. But this idea that the, the team and to some degree, the larger product team, and to a larger degree, the company has an idea, a shared concept of what it means to have a, an initiative done. That exists. And I think it's really important to talk about it. Yeah, because it, it might be explicit, but it might also be implicit. And it makes me wonder, you know, hey, how do people handle it when, you know, as a designer, you think it's done, but someone else doesn't? Mm, like, Give us an example. Um, you go to a review and you're like, this is amazing. I feel really proud of it. It's ready to go. And you get a lot of feedback that sends you back a couple cycles or, you know, postpones a launch because it's not ready, even though in your eyes it was. Or you present a solution that you're like, we should just ship this. And your PM partner says, hmm, I don't think this is solving the problem. Have you tried X, Y, and Z? Or that could happen in critique. Like just when you get other either stakeholder or non-stakeholder partner or other feedback that says, I don't think this is headed in the right direction from your design manager. Like that can be a really hard thing, particularly when you're like, well, I've been in the weeds with this. Like I know this better than anyone. Um, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. But what happens when you're like, I was ready to ship this and I got direction or feedback otherwise. What an opportunity. <laughs> I'm sure we've all said that when that actually came up. Wow. No, but yeah. Okay. Hopefully if you're listening to this right now, you're not in that exact situation right this minute, but odds are you're not. And so we can easily view it as an opportunity. And what I mean by that is a few things. Firstly, it's an opportunity to, to acknowledge the fact that you and your team, or that, at least that, that person who gave you that feedback are not aligned on the definition of done. Great. 
either you're off or they're off or you're both off. Mm. It's time to get aligned. Mm. And now going forward, you won't have that problem again because you'll be aligned. You'll both have a shared understanding of what done means. What if it's subjective? There's another point. Yes. So I think you still approach the conversation. This, that's the thing with any of these instances. You, you have to talk about it, right? You can't hide away from it. You can't really shy. Even if it's your manager, I think in some cases you can acknowledge, okay, the manager had some feedback. I need to go take that. But then also nudge them. Is it okay if we talk about this? Because I was under a different impression than what the feedback was that I got. And then you go into the conversation and you say, tell me a little bit more about how you think uh, whether or not this is done and what are you, what measurements are you looking at? What lens are you just looking at? Just gave you a, a thumbs up that nobody can see because it's like when you get feedback and you don't agree with it, the thing to do rather than saying, I don't agree with that, which is easy to do, particularly in critique situations. I've seen tons and tons of designers get defensive, but you say, why? Like, tell me what's different than what, you know, if you don't, if you get a recommendation, you're like, I don't understand. Just say, explain that to me more. Why do you think that'll be more successful? Um, and you'll likely uncover that, you know, hey, this person who's giving you feedback has run into this problem before, or they've, um, you know, I don't know, they've saw a similar pattern elsewhere, or they have data that you didn't have, um, or they're looking at the business from a higher level. Um, and, and maybe it's subjective against subjective, but maybe there's something objective that's, um, that's directing them in a different way than you're being directed. And or- so I think actually getting to a firm understanding of where they come from and be able to objectively take that understanding against your understanding and zoom out from your own understanding and do some comparison and then work together to find the, the path forward. Exactly. There might be an instance where they've misunderstood what something you said or how you presented the idea or the problem you're trying to solve, like, or you have misunderstood that no matter what, it, it is an opportunity. I keep saying that because it's true. It's an opportunity for you and the other person or even the whole team in some cases to get aligned and they're like that's such a huge tremendous opportunity once a team is aligned you can do a lot more a lot quicker than if everyone's kind of walking around doing their own things thinking everyone else has the same vision yeah. they do. I remember when I was working back on this education platform I had a manager I was working on um, basically set up and onboarding and I was really thinking of them as two things or uh, two things that were sort of the same thing. So you set up, like you go to your IT and you get your software set up and you get your laptop set up and then you do onboarding and onboarding is learning about the tool, learning about the software, learning about how to use the the educational philosophy. And in my mind, it was the same thing because it was, um, it was the same user. It wasn't, you know, a buyer that set up the software for you or implement. It was, you know, a teacher would get the software, would set it up with their IT and they'd onboard. It was also a similar moment in that they'd have to do this on their own before school started. Um, and I had all these similarities and I remember my manager just kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me on this. And one of my designers actually just redesigned it for me and was like, you should use this. And what was missing was really the dialogue on how they were thinking about it, how I was thinking about it. And in the end, it ended up, I think it ended up being that they were pretty much the same thing. You had to sort of set up things. It was like, it ended up being a checklist, like first set up your IT stuff, then, you know, get your students in a lot of setup stuff, but you had to do that around at the same time. And so it wasn't that either was really right or either was really long, but I think we spent like three weeks cycling on feedback. And I think finally was my manager was like, oh, now you get what I'm saying. And it was just like, why don't we have these discussions 
beforehand rather than just like tossing things over walls and being like, I don't get that. I think it should be this way. Like, no, like what's the problem we're trying to solve? Like, how do we, how will we really understand when that problem has been solved? And I don't think we were, we had any sort of like, not even success criteria, but a vision, not a, not a mock or conceptual vision, but a, a shared understanding of what it looks like when those needs are solved. Things like, you know, Hey, teachers could do this in about 30 minutes a day, one week before school starts. Like that's a reasonable commitment. Um, teachers should be able to find stuff in the same place. Um, and so like, we, we, what we needed to do there is work with sort of shared language and shared criteria. And then we could have probably found a solution in either path, path on either path, but we didn't actually spend the time doing that. And it was, it was a broken partnership. That's a good example. One thing you just mentioned that really stands out to me is this idea of shared language. Often that's what this comes down to. It's how often are you saying something, a word around the objective that you're working on someone else is using a different word, but you're both saying the same thing and you just don't know it. It's yeah. Or you're saying the same thing and you're meaning different things. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, I got stories. So you mentioned, you know, this, this idea came about from you're in a a critique or a formal design review and someone's giving you feedback and uh, you thought the design was done, but they decided it wasn't for whatever reason. I think you're absolutely right. Like in those instances, you need to ask, Tell me more about this. Like, help me understand well, where you're coming from. in those from. instances, you need to control the conversation too. Like, have you ever been in a critique and somebody's like, oh, have you thought about this, this, and this? And you should try this, this, and this. And you're like, no, 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 we're shipping. Like, it's going out tomorrow. I'm just like trying to make sure that we're going through the, uh, you know, the content. The or Yeah. <laughs> well, not the, hopefully not the motions, but like, actually we're looking at polish and they're like, well, did you try yeah. this different interaction? Mm-hmm. And so like bringing people along with you, this is just a plug for bringing, bringing, bringing people along with you and making sure that they're at the same stage of the journey with you because you can go backwards in cycles just by not keeping people informed and saying things like, I would like feedback on X. I would not like feedback on Y. Yes. Well, now we're talking about critique, but I know, but it's like those kinds of things will, if we're talking about other people's opinions or other people's direction being very, uh, are a very um, a blocker to being able to get to that done space. And we're th- if we're thinking in the done is better than perfect, management of that process is a big prohibitor. Yeah. Well, yes. The way that I'm interpreting what you're saying, however, is just generally good critique format, good critique setup, right? And what I mean by that is the right time to dig in is not always in critique. In fact, more often than not, it's, it's not. The right critique format typically is okay, I've heard your feedback. I'm making a note of it, or hopefully we have someone taking a note of it with your name. I will follow up with you on this. Moving on, right? Here's why I say that. Because you need to have that conversation, and usually it's going to take a lot of time, and it may or may not impact the, the, the roadmap, the vision, the progress the team has made. What I'm trying to get at, though, is I think the opposite of that situation is also a great time to exercise digging in. What do I mean by that? If someone is in a critique or a presentation and they say, and you're like, here's the design, it's done, I feel like I've accomplished X, Y, Z, and someone looks at it and says, I agree, it's a great time to exercise and get used to that, that mechanism of questioning. Well, why? Why, do you, do, why mm. do you agree? Again, let's get a shared language, a shared understanding of what done means to you. It's an opportunity to dig in really deep and try to understand, are we actually aligned or maybe they misunderstood. It's to my benefit because they're agreeing. 
but maybe they actually don't understand and we have an, again a different yeah. understanding i would i would do that with peers i wouldn't do that with leaders um i guess i was thinking beyond critique and saying like reviews with stakeholders and i was thinking of um your pmm partners when you bring your and those are your product marketing managers or if you're you're, you're you know you've you've designed something and you're like it's ready to go to market and you go to your marketing or brand person who's doing the the launch pieces for it and they say oh this isn't going to land well um or it is going to land well that's probably not the time to say why the for everyone you they should be aware early if it's going to have to come to them at the end it's going to or when it's done it's, it should come to them at some midpoint um but yeah making sure that those things are are solid and socialized solid socialized i don't have another s word and then making sure that especially with, with peers you can use that opportunity to, f- to to further and and solidify um i think with leaders and other um sort of um cross-functional partners like pmm it might be a time to say okay what are what are our next steps going to be you know how are we going to know that this is successful rather than like oh do you trust my design Saying like, how are we going to know if this is successful? What are our, what, you know, what are we going to evaluate and what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. Another thing that you can do is a retrospective. I think we've talked about this before. You're, you're thinking. No, we've done, I don't know if we've talked about it before. I was just thinking, retros are actually something that I don't know that I did early on in my career. But they're, I mean, we do them probably too much now. Oh, that's interesting. I retros on retros i feel like we're gonna need to do a retrospective on this episode uh yeah maybe maybe you're doing it too often i don't i don't know but again just going back to this this idea that we need to have a shared understanding as a team of what done means Mm -hmm. it can be helpful to look at past efforts and say well how'd that go and how did we align early on and what done means were there any trade-offs we had to make that were hard some that were easy did we actually accomplish the thing that we said would be done did we do it in the right timeline? Were there things that got in the way or we added to the process or removed from the process? This can all be, again, just great ways to align as a team and saying, as a team, as we continue to work forward, how do we know when the work we're doing is done? Yeah, I think there's values work to be done too that says that you know, we value um, polish over process or we value... Um, generation over perfection. Um, so as you're going through your design process, as you're getting to a done state, like done is better than perfect is another one. But what are the things that you would prefer? And, and values are like, it's easy to say like, we value polish, we value speed, we value um, customer-based solutions, but you can't really have everything. And so the, I was just introduced to the even over framework yeah, we're doing this. So. The even over, yeah. not just over. Yeah. Yeah. Even over is awesome because it's like I value speed over um what is it? Speed over quality. And you're like, oh, those are those are they're they're hard trade-offs. They're not easy ones. You're like, I value speed over slowness. And you're like, nobody values slowness. Like, come on. So like coming up with things that are like even over this. Um, and so that might actually you know, help you. Like I, I value speed to market over polish. Like that's a tough trade-off and it might be a tough trade-off for a designer. But if you're, if your culture really values that speed and the reason might be like, Hey, listen, if we get something out fast, we can roll it back. 
and then we can polish it or we can iterate on it. So figuring out what those are, it might even be like, what's the opposite of a retrospective? A, 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 I was gonna say a prospo, a prospective. Like, I, th- I think that's exactly it yeah. actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you can do things like that where it's like just sort of foundational and setting things up. But I think those are really like values um, and like examples from retros or reflections. Like how did this, how did this work before? I think that could be really valuable for individuals and organizations where this, this kind of stuff, like the definition of done isn't super evident. I think you're absolutely right. And here's why I think this matters far more than critiques and retrospectives and whatever else getting aligned before the project even kicks off on your, on your principles or your values or what you're marching towards or your measurement of success or what it means for each stage, engineering, planning, design, marketing, whatever the reason you want to do that upfront is because it's going to save you a lot of time and headache down the road. It's going to set you up and the keep in mind again, by the definition of what design means, it's a plan. And if you're going into any design project without a plan, you're not really designing. Whoa. Have you ever done this where there's a problem and you are misaligned? I think I did this early in my career where I was like, here's a problem I can solve. And I go and design this big thing and they're like, oh, well, we've budgeted like two weeks of engineering for this. So is that a lot or a little on this example? Oh, like, let's say I design like a, a two month project and you're like, oh, so you wanted a test. And I'm like, but there's all these cool things we could do. And I actually just wasted a week doing that when all I needed to do was align on the definition of done. Done for us might have been doing an experiment to learn whether X or Y performed better. Not that done has to be experimental, but I worked as a growth designer for a while. Yes. So I should have known in the culture of growth design that done might have been experimental. Done might have been an, a, a, a done might have been a design that we could experiment against. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I was going to say that in that example, I, I still wouldn't view it as like a lost cause because now you have a better picture of where things might go if they go well with a limited experiment. Hmm. Yep. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> should we be done? <laughs> yeah, we're just about to wrap this up here. Uh, okay, so you know, having discussed this now for almost forty minutes. I still think it's somewhat of a silly question, but it's got a really good heart to it that can help a team and an individual work better, design better, create better designs. So I'm I'm excited that we got to talk about it. At the end of the day, I think it's it's great that a team defines what done means. It's going to be pretty unique to you as a team, as a business, as an individual. If you can talk about it with your team, with others, even people not on your team, that's even going to help. That's going to help you far more than mm-hmm. just assuming that everyone has the same understanding oh, yeah. of what design mm-hmm. done means. I feel like I should probably talk to my team about this. <laughs> you don't do the passive aggressive thing where you talk about your team in this podcast. Oh, me neither. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, I think this is a failure on my part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I actually haven't thought a, a lot about in all honesty about cultural definitions. Um, so I feel like I had an aha moment while I was talking there. This is why we just talk. Like sometimes right. we come to really interesting, interesting things. Sometimes we just like kind of blab on, but. But I think you're absolutely right. Like it's, it's a cultural norm. It will only help us and be beneficial if we actually have a conversation around it and get some like shared language. Things, yeah. yeah. Like most things. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, we always appreciate it. And uh, I think this episode's done. Done. Done.